Welcome back to Revolutionary Health. This month is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I'm so very excited to be able to sit with you all to have this incredible conversation. I'm Michael Ward, your host, and make sure that you follow us on all our social medias, CNP Tribe on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But most importantly, make sure that you comment ask questions, interact with us. We wanna be able to have a great conversation tonight because I think this topic is so very, very incredible and important to our community with everything that we've been going through um, here. So I'm very excited to bring on our guest. I've got Michelle Hunt who will be joining me for a conversation. I'm here about mental health and he's an, incred an accredited relationship counselor and psychosexual therapist here in Atlanta, Georgia. He's originally from London, England, and you may have seen him on Fox News, Sky TV, News One, and Bravo with Real House of Atlanta, uh, Candy and Todd helping them resolve some of their relationship issues. He's passionate about working with the Black community and is active in providing education and support to the community, which he's a part of, and he's often volunteering at Pride events around the city and facilitating workshops for gay men. So without further ado, I will bring on Michelle Hunt with a virtual round of applause from everybody in the audience. <laughs> hey, Michael, how are you? I am well, well. It's so good to see you. It's really, really great to see you. I know we can't give our, our usual big hugs, but you know, I'm giving you virtual hugs from across the, the room. <laughs> I know, and I, I receive it, and I send it right on back to you. Like we've been doing so much in this pandemic, yeah. but how have you been? I've been actually quite amazing. I've been really, really good. Um, you know, the pandemic really kind of put a, a damper on things for most people. But I think the silver lining for all of that is just this idea that we realize that mental health is so important to um, you know, I think being quarantined, having to deal with everything that went on for the last year and still is going on, most people now realize that they just can't ignore, the, you know, how important mental health is. So I'm really happy that we were able to do that as a silver lining. And, you know, I've just been busy with work and making sure that I'm giving back, um, you know, to, to our communities. Uh, and that's why I'm so, I'm so happy to be here with you guys tonight. Yes, and I'm so happy that you are here with us as well, too. As I said, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as you said, through COVID, so many of us have been quarantined and seeing new things and, and new sides of ourselves and, and our partners and all of these things, which you'll get into later when it comes to those <laughs> things. And, and trying to find the language as well for some of these things that we've been feeling, because this is the first time in a very long time that everyone collectively has been going through a pandemic, you know? And right knowing what we're going to expect. And I've been very open about my mental health journey. And it really, really, really helped a lot through COVID. So I just want to start with the basics so we can let people join and ask questions as well in the chat to just get a little bit about you and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, just so people can understand. Because I think when people hear sex therapists, they're like, oh my God, what is it? But just... <laughs> what it is that you do and how you help the community. Oh yeah, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. Most people won't um, won't meet a sex therapist um, just, you know, in their day-to-day -day life. So I think, you know, it's definitely something that I, I feel um, it's important to explain uh, to people and, and and for those who don't know or haven't experienced it, psychosexual therapy is a form of 
a psychology which deals specifically with the psychology of sex. So issues that may come up around sex and sexuality, um, you know, it's mostly rooted in, you know, psychological functioning. So um, what I do with most of my clients is to go through and kind of help them to understand where the cause of their problem is coming from and how they can resolve it. And we do that through many different um, techniques. Some of them are psychosexual techniques. We do some CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I do a lot of person-centered approaches. So all, my, all, all the work that I do is tailored specifically for that individual or for that couple that I'm seeing that at that moment. And also, um, a lot of people will say, well, I don't have any sexual issues. Why do I need to see you? A lot of um, our sexual issues aren't really to do with sex. Um, you know, sex, the, the issues that, we, that manifest itself sexually are usually, you know, just a symptom of something much greater that's going on, usually to do with our mental health and emotional well-being. So oftentimes, I see people who just have issues with communicating with each other. Um, issues with trust, issues with betrayal, issues with unresolved childhood traumas, you know, issues around self-esteem, confidence, um, you know, um, value systems. I love emphasis, particularly in our communities, placed on sex because we've, you know, we've been raised and conditioned to believe that sex is the most valuable asset that we have. Um, and because of that, there's lots of issues that may be projected during, you know, in the course of your sexual intimacy, but really it's far beyond that. And that's kind of one of the things I help to unlock with my clients, whether they're coming in as an individual or whether they're coming in as a couple. So I see a whole range of, of individuals and couples. I see men, women, black, white, gay, straight, young, old. I think my youngest client is 18 and the oldest one is 79, about to be 80. Uh, so yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a big range um, that I see. And you know, with COVID, like I said, so many people are discovering new ways to think about themselves and think about the way they see life. And it's given them an opportunity to explore mental health and emotional well-being in a way that they wouldn't have prior to COVID. So um, you know, I've been seeing a lot more people kind of open up to sex. I actually had a client that, a potential client that called this morning, and he's never been able to ejaculate during penetration. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's 40 years old, started having sex at 13, never once has he ejaculated through penetration. And during the course of COVID, he's realized actually, I want to have a boyfriend. I want to see someone full time, but I need to deal with this issue because he's been avoiding it. Um, you know, and now that quarantine's over and people are kind of going back out, he's like, okay, well, I need to fix this. So again, first time in his whole life that he's actually reached out to try and fix that that issue. So um, there's lots going on. Yes, and thank you for giving that example and for bringing up something as well that I want to talk about because I think over the years there has been this stigma that's been connected with talking, you know, to a stranger, mm -hmm. somebody that you don't know about, bringing your personal issues. And I know myself, I had a very, a very big issue with vulnerability and opening up mm -hmm. to somebody like, "Are you going to tell my business? Is this going to leave the room? What if I run into you when we're out at the park?" Right. You know, or you know, being in kind of the community in those same circles. So um, as well, when it comes to 
um, people that may have this stigma about accessing care and, and like the potential client this morning about opening up and being vulnerable. Like, can you share just a little bit about those practices and that you're not going to tell anybody's business um, when yeah. they have to have that relationship with them? So I think, I think, you know, counseling and therapy is obviously very sacred. Um, and it's, it's one of those fields that privacy and confidentiality is at the utmost top of the list of priorities. Um, and in the same way you would go to see your physician or your gynecologist and, you know, that information is kept private and secure, that's exactly the same way it works with, with therapy. And, and so much so even more with, with psychosexual therapy. Um, when I see clients who are, who are in the same communities as I am, there's an extra layer of, you know, security that I want that person to have. I want them to know that even though we may be in the same communities, we may socialize in the same circles, we may be in the same networks, you know, confidentiality is my number one priority for that client because that's how I get the most out of my client. That's how I get them to be honest. That's how I get them to, to relinquish fear. That's how I get them to relax. That's how I get them to open up. Um, and none, therapy isn't possible without any, all of those things. So I always have to be reassuring that your care is a priority for me, your privacy is a priority for me, and also your confidentiality. So, and that goes both ways. So, um, you know, I think oftentimes I've always said to my clients, if, we, if we're out in public and you want to say hello, then I'm gonna let you say hello. I won't be the one to initiate that. And my clients do, they always wanna say hello. And sometimes they'll want to even introduce me as their, their therapist to the people they're around. Now, I'm, I'm not uncomfortable with that because that's their choice and I'm okay. You know, I think everyone knows that what I do anyway, because uh, I've been, been doing it for so long. But, you know, I think, I think it's up to the clients. And, and what I, one of the things I found really fascinating is that therapy is, so, is not so much under the rug anymore. Mm -hmm. People are much more open than they'd ever been. And I've been a therapist for 18 plus years. Um, you know, people are much more willing to say, I have a therapist, I see a therapist. Um, they're still a little bit shy on saying what they're going to therapy for. Uh, you know, so people are much more likely to say, yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with oppression than they're saying I'm dealing with erectile difficulties. That's, there's still a taboo in that. Um, you know, people don't necessarily want to admit or feel comfortable admitting in public that they're having a sexual issue or having concerns around sex. Um, so there's still some 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 reservations where, where that's concerned, but I think therapy in general is much more widely acceptable, is much more widely talked about. You know, you yourself have you know been honest and open about your journey, and so many more people are being honest and open. And I think that's fantastic because what I want to see is that therapy becomes something that people talk about at the dinner table. It's something they talk about when they go on dates. It's something they talk about, you know, when they're, when they're on vacation. You know, I want people to feel that therapy is so meaningful that it's something they want to talk about. Mm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So one of, one of my first introductions to and getting back into therapy was mm -hmm. about um, on the show, I think it was December. 
um, was what led me back into therapy my second time was really a breakup. You know, I was right. in a relationship at the point and I know what my normal coping mechanisms are. But one of the great things that came out of that relationship is I'll never forget that he asked me, hey, if you're watching, um, you know, let's try couples therapy. Let's go to a, a therapist because we were having some issues with communication. And I, I found out within myself that there was a lot of work that I needed to do to communicate and a lot of things that were in my childhood on how I communicate. And so in, in the black gay community, a lot of us now are wanting to be in relationships, right? We can get out, we've been alone, we've done these things. And some of us may have been in relationships with partners and not known how to communicate or have the language to say some of the things that we may want to say when, especially when it comes to monogamy, I think that's kind of the hot button topic <laughs> that a lot of people talk about or have questions on um, as we evolve and we um, slowly open up. So when it comes to consensual non-monogamy, as we were talking about a little bit on the show that yeah. we um, want to know more about and come to you and their relationships all the time, why do you think that that's such a stigma when it comes to um, consensual non-monogamy um, and that there's different um, layers as well. I'm learning myself too, so you'll be educating me at the same time. <laughs> when it comes to these relationships, like what are those conversations that you're that you're having um, with us in the community? Yeah, I, well, I think it's really important to say that for, for most of us, the gold standard of a relationship that we've been taught is a monogamous relationship, you know? whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're questioning by, that is sort of like what our society holds up as a gold standard of a, of a healthy relationship. Um, as we're evolving in society and as society is changing and we're, we're becoming much more of a global society, we're actually more open now to the ideas that monogamy isn't the only form of a healthy relationship. And as such, Consensual non-monogamy is something that lots of people are kind of discovering, they're inquiring about, they're curious about, and they're actually wanting to explore what consensual non-monogamy is. And consensual non-monogamy is just a very broad term for relationships that aren't monogamous. Um, so you're consenting with your partner or partners um, that you're not in a monogamous relationship. And that takes many different forms. One of those forms is an open relationship. With an open relationship, you decide with your partner what level of openness you have within that relationship. Well, I know that's a very common term, particularly within uh, the, the gay community. You know, so like I have an open relationship, I'm open. You know, you might see couples trying to hook up online and they're like, yeah, I'm with my, my husband or my boyfriend. Um, but there's other forms of consensual love such as polygamy, um, you know, and polygamy is where you have multiple relationships. Um, so you may have one male with four boyfriends or one female with a husband and two boyfriends or one female with a wife and three girlfriends and a boyfriend, you know, so um, polygamy is another popular term and, 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 and that's something that's been going on for a really long time, but underground and now it's kind of coming to the forefront people are actually more open about their polygamous relationship um so again the conversations i have with people is a figuring out what works for you because if I, if you and i are in a relationship and i want something that's monogamous and the other person 
want something that's open, then we're not in the same space. We're not compatible as far as our relationship styles go. Mm -hmm. So we need to ensure that you are compatible with your partner as far as what kind of relationships you're looking for. Um, and I think one of the other things that's really important is if you have a consensual non-monogamous relationship, you can still cheat if what you're doing isn't included in the rules and the boundaries of your relationship. For example, if we're in a consensual non-monogamous relationship and the rules are we only have sex with other people when we're together and I go out and have sex with someone else, that's still considered cheating because it's not within the boundaries of what we've agreed. So again, when we have a consensual non-monogamous relationship, we have to be very, very, very careful about how we're, we're creating boundaries with each other about what that means, what that looks like. Mm. The problem with rules and boundaries is that they're, as humans, we're likely to break them. Yes. So, so the more rules we have, <laughs> there you go, the more rules we create are the more rules that's there to be broken. We know that even outside of sex and relationships, you know, as a child, you get told, don't do that, don't go over there, don't climb that fence. You know, and that somehow stimulates us more to want to do it. The risk of perhaps doing it and not getting caught. The risk of the, that adrenaline that comes with thinking, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but, you know, I, I'll see how far I can go. I'll push, push the boundaries. So the more rules they are, um, the more rules to be broken. So I think my conversation is always, you know, figure out what works for you and what works for your partners. Um, Create boundaries that are doable for both of you or, or all of you, whoever is in, included. And then also continue checking in with your partners because if we're together and we make these rules at the beginning, that doesn't mean we still feel the same way two years in. It doesn't mean that we still feel the same way five years in. So you're constantly having to check in. And as your relationship evolves, as your relationship grows, the individuals are growing. And therefore, you need to check in. Does this still work for us? Is this still something that we want to continue doing? You know, do we want to modify these boundaries? Do we want to create new rules? Do we want to re re release some of the rules that we have? Um, you know, I always ask my couples, are you okay with having a relationship that it has absolutely no boundaries? And almost everyone will say no. I don't know. What kind of relationship would that be? Um, you know, but then they create these boundaries that neither of them or one or all of them aren't able to stick to. So again, it's about having these realistic expectations, not just of your partner, but of yourself. And a lot of times what I find is that we have so many unresolved issues just from being black, being gay, you know, um, growing up in a certain household, growing up in a certain environment, having traumas as we as we 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 we've gone through childhood and early adulthood, and we don't ever take the time to deal with those, and we bring all of those into our relationships. If we don't heal it, then we'll just keep reliving it, and that is something that most people will deal with in their relationship. You know, and the relationship can't necessarily thrive if you are not able to deal with some of those unresolved, with all of those unresolved issues. 
Um, and sometimes we, we decide to make decisions about the kind of sex that we're having to deflect from those issues. So rather than dealing with the concerns and dealing with the issues, we just deflect from it. We decide, oh, let's just have an open relationship. Let's just have sex with whomever we want. Let's just forget the rules. Who made these rules anyway? These rules are antiquated, they're old, you know? But it's a deflection for most of us. So I talk about all of that in, our, in, our, in, in, my, in my work. Yes. Okay, because that was, that was how I was a conversation with a lot of like, so we just ain't going we just gonna do what it is. Well, for me, um, something in that of how do you find the language? You know, so many of us who kind of put the language or even find that space of vulnerability and intimacy with our partners. And Johnny asked a very important question. Um, in the chat, what advice do you have for folks who are struggling putting their feelings on the table uh, for their partners? Not, yeah. not no, just concerning monogamy, but other issues that they may be having sexually with their libido, their, their sex drives, erectile dysfunction, you know, difference of sexual variety. How do we put that, you know, into words for our partners? Yeah, well, first of all, it's not easy. Let's just acknowledge that. Um, communicating for a lot of us are not easy. And communicating our feelings gets even more difficult because somehow that there's a judgment placed on that. And none of us want to feel judged. None of, none, none of us want to feel that the person we love and care about and is in a relationship is looking at us as less than. So the first thing is recognizing that we're all in the same boat. I'm feeling judged by sharing with you. You're feeling judged by sharing with me. And if we're both on that path of feeling judged, then we're not able to really let those barriers down to, to express our feelings. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to be able to trust the person you're with. Mm. You have to trust that you're able to share with them intimate feelings and thoughts and it's not gonna be used against you. If you don't have that trust, then it's gonna be very hard to put those feelings into words. Again, you're gonna be skirting around it. You're gonna be deflecting. You're going to be using different methods of communication other than this is how I feel. This is what I think. You'll act out. So um, trust is important. Recognizing that we're all in the same boat is also important. And secondly, learning what your community, and thirdly, I should say, is learning your style of communication. Mm. Um, oftentimes, words are difficult for us to articulate. And sometimes we, we will have nonverbal communication. And we expect that our partner is going to pick up on that without saying anything. We expect, you know, I'm not usually like this. You know something's wrong. But then I asked you what's wrong. You haven't told me. So recognizing that those nonverbal communication might not work for the other person. Mm. You might be thinking you're showing everything in your body language, in your facial expressions, in your eye movements. But if the other person doesn't have the same level of understanding of what your body is saying, then that communication is lost. So you have to be able to express what you're feeling in a way that is, 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 um, is understood by your partner. That's the third thing. 
And secondly, I'm sorry, I keep saying secondly, I'm not sure, we're way, we're way past second. Um, so, and the other, the, the other really big, big thing about, you know, when you're struggling with your, with your emotions is sometimes you need to step outside of that relationship. Sometimes you need to just seek help somewhere else. So oftentimes, if you have someone that you trust that you can share that with, they'll be able to help you to formulate words, particularly if that person knows who you're talking about and knows who you're in a relationship with, then they can help you to formulate a strategy that will help to transition you into sharing that with your partner. But it's absolutely important to be able to talk to your partner about what you're feeling and not just do, 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 do. You have to be able to say it. You have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to articulate. So there is three things that I that I say is important when you're communicating your feelings. One is being concise. Say what you actually feel. The second one is to be consistent. Don't say something that you mean and then retract it out of fear because they're not sending mixed signal to your partner. And the third, the third um, part of that, so we have being concise, being clear, being consistent with what you say. And, and thirdly, being very aware that that person may also may be having difficulties understanding what you're saying. So the clarity, the conciseness, and the understanding, those are three things that you need when you're communicating your feelings. Come on, break them down. Clarity, <laughs> standing, things that I as well. And we have another question from John Jordan um, that asks, how do I work on being interdependent to allow myself to be able to rely on someone in a relationship? I feel I struggle with being too inter, uh, too independent. Thank you for that question. Well, wow, thank you, John, for that question. The, the, the too independent, okay. Um, well, I think independence is extremely important particularly in, in, in relationships. You don't ever want the relationship to become more important than the individuals in it. Um, so independence is extremely important. Now, there's a way you can be independent and still be reliant on a partner in a relationship. And that's quite important as well. So in order for you to not feel too independent, to feel too independent, you have to allow your partner in. You have to let him in to your world, let him into your thoughts, let him into your feelings, share your vulnerabilities with him. That's one way to, 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 to reduce that feeling of being too independent. You know, ask for help, offer help. You know, those are ways that you can actually relinquish that feeling of being too independent, but you don't ever want to become entirely dependent on a relationship or your partner. That's too much. And something else that I think is really important to say at this point is that oftentimes we go into relationships hoping that we're going to be completely fulfilled by the other person. And that's not their job. Mm. <laughs> it's not your partner's job. It doesn't matter how much you love them, how much they love you, how compatible you are, how great you look on social media. It's not their job to fulfill your every need. That's why your individuality is so important. So it's, it's not a failed relationship because you're not being fulfilled by your partner. It's actually a healthy relationship when you recognize what is it, what's important for me to get from this relationship and what's important for me to get from myself. 
and the other sources outside of this relationship because the relationship shouldn't be your only source of support and 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 and, and excitement and love so we want to ensure that we're not putting too much pressure on ourselves or the other person in the relationship mm. yes john come on thank you <laughs> <That> word <Yeah. laughs> i think that definitely is like something too when it comes to like being in a relationship with another black gay man where you're like we're both like i and i and i kind of <laughs> all the time too it feels like we're at war all the time because we're both fiercely independent my own stuff i'll talk to my therapist about it. but it's very important to me to build a tribe just outside of yeah a therapist of other ways if i may not be able to access my therapist or i can't get uh, her on the phone at that time what are some alternatives for people who may still be on the fence about um, seeing a therapist for their uh, sexual issues, relationship issues, what may have you. So therapy is incredibly important. I say that, I say it, I say it, and I say it again. Therapy is incredibly important. It's so helpful for the many different reasons. Um, but therapy isn't the only way. And therapy isn't for everyone. So it's important to know what works for you. And if therapy doesn't work for you for whatever reason, then it's it's important for you to be able to have some self-help tools. And um, I talk about self-help a lot because I, I, I believe that as beneficial therapy is, it's not for everyone. So I want all of us to be able to help ourselves through some of these issues. And by helping yourself, it's about growth. It's about understanding. It's about learning what triggers what do you need to avoid? What kind of people do you need to avoid? What kind of situations do you need to avoid to protect your mental health and boost your self-esteem, your confidence, and your emotional well-being? If we don't know what those triggers are, then we'll just keep going down the road of repeating, you know, and, and reliving, you know, experiences that doesn't serve us very well. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the things that if you're not seeing a therapist, if you don't have a therapist, if you feel that therapy may not work for you, um, those are the things that I need you to be conscientious of. I need to help myself because we all need help. All of us need some form of help. And if we're not getting it from a professional, then we need to be able to give that to ourselves. Now let's talk about the people who do want therapy and do see therapy as a benefit. Maybe perhaps you've had a therapist in the past and it didn't really work out. Maybe it wasn't the right one. And again, not every therapist is great. I've met some that I haven't felt was good. Um, so I think it's really important that you find who are the right therapists for you. Um, and I talk about that on my podcast as well, how to find the right therapist. Um, but you want to find someone who A, has something about them, whether it's their race, their ethnicity, their, 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 their sexuality, um, their gender, that you can identify with. Because that's going to be the first, the first building block of that therapeutic alliance, which is so important in therapy. So have some kind of connection with them. And then also ask about their area of expertise. You know, do you have the skills to deal with the issue that I'm presenting you? Do you have the language to deal with the, the issues that I'm presenting you? Are you able to be patient through the issues I'm presenting you with? Mm. 
because oftentimes I see clients who are rushing through therapy because the, 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 the therapist has these expectations that they're going to meet these milestones. And it doesn't work like that. So you need someone who's patient. You need someone who's understanding. You need someone who has specific skills. Um, and not all therapists are equal. So you need to do your research um, and you need to find someone who can understand exactly where you are and is able to help you to where you want to be. Um, those are important tips when you're trying to find the right therapist. The therapy is a fantastic way to learn about yourself, to resolve some unresolved issues that may have been there since childhood, and also to help you grow and evolve into a better version of yourself. That's not to say you're broken, it's not to say you're ill, it's not to say you're a bad person, but as humans, we all have areas where we can grow. And that's what therapy helps us to do. It helps us to grow in those areas and evolve beyond what we, we, we are currently. So I think it's great, you know, that for anyone out there who's seeking therapy, thinking about therapy, I'm available. You can always reach out to me. But, you know, if I'm not right for you, then, then there's lots of other therapists that will be able to help guide you and, and just kind of shape you know, your, how you think, how you feel, and how you're able to express what's, what's happening with you. Michael, I see you smiling. I am because <laughs> I forgot that you do have the podcast because I've listened to a couple episodes. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the podcast is um, it's really helpful to a lot of people. I get all kinds of amazing feedback from people, you know, just kind of, because it's, the way I do my podcast is about learning. It's I want to be able to impart some knowledge that you wouldn't have otherwise got or in a bite-sized way that you can actually just grab a hold of, understand it, and then you know take it into your, your day-to-day life. So that's kind of what my podcast is about, you know, just helping people to answer some questions that they have that they may not have been vocal about and, and really kind of learn more about questions that that we all want to know the answers to. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's, 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 it's it's quite catchy as well. Let's, let's come together. So, you know, we I mean, all collectively I'm can come together. Say the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. Let's come together with the sex doc. And it's everywhere you, you can get your podcast. And um, yeah, it's one of the things that really started in the pandemic, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I talk so much for work. I was like, oh, do I really want to do a podcast? But then I saw all these podcasts just popping up and I was at home, I was working from home. And, you know, so I had so many questions. If I go through my Instagram or my Facebook, I, you know, at least 50 or 60 questions each day. So I just pick out ones that had common themes. And I was like, you know what, let me talk about this. And my podcasts aren't very long because I don't like listening to long podcasts. So it's um it's bite size it's quick you can listen to it while you're in the shower while you're making dinner or you know some of them you can even listen to while you're being you know romanticized so let's together <laughs> but we, we could sit here and talk all day but i'm pretty sure um at this point that you're very busy you have clients that that want your time and your attention so before we get out of here um, if the people don't know where they can find the podcast, we did drop it in the chat. But other okay. social media, if they do want to access you because now they feel more comfortable with you, how can they? 
uh, therapy. So, um, so I am very active on Instagram, and my Instagram is um, relationship and sex doc. Um, and yeah, you can always DM me on there. I'm I'm very good at responding to DMs. I think it's important to have that interaction. Um, you can also check me out on my website, which is sextherapyforyou.com. And again, if you have a sexual issue or you have an issue with relationships, great. That's my area of expertise. But I also see people who have issues around you know, other forms of mental health, you know, issues around, you know, emotional well-being, issues around depression, issues around, you know, dealing with difficult situations, you know, I, I deal with all of those things. Um, so please reach out, you can book your, I do a free consultation. So um, for anyone who's interested, who, you know, has some questions they wanna get answered before committing, it's a free, um, you know, no obligation consultation. And you can have that um, if you just book, go online. So go on the website and do that. I also have an, an online store with, with lots of amazing goodies and treats. And, you know, I there's lingerie, there's underwear, there's sex toys. Um, there, there's, every, there's something for everyone on there. And that's um, called sexstaybymichelle.com. Um, so you can go on there, you can shop. Um, and the good thing about that is I'm such a big believer in, in giving back. So 10% of all the sales on that website actually goes into a fund that helps people who are on low income or don't or, or are unable to afford therapy. So um, that's kind of my way of giving back. So we love to see come on give back. <laughs> so y'all heard it, tribe. Make sure that you access the resources as well. Find out as much information as you can. And as well, the free services, the podcast, um, is Instagram which also has relationship and sex tips on there too. So go ahead and check it out. But most importantly, tell a friend about this episode, like, share it. Maybe if you're having issues with your partner or partners, whichever that you prefer, maybe y'all can watch the video together and kind of work on your communication. But as always, I'm so glad that you are here with us. Make sure that you follow us on our social media at CNP Tribe. Thank you so much again, uh, Michelle Hunt, for joining me on this month's episode of revolutionary health until next time make sure that you see yourself and i'll see y'all later bye